listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. This morning we're going to take a look at an invitation that God gives us to come closer to Him and to go deeper into relationship with Him. And really, it's an invitation for intimacy. You know, intimacy with God, relationship with God, it's the foundation of everything that we do. It's the foundation of everything that we are. Intimacy with God, it affects the way that we perceive Him and it affects the way that we relate to Him. It affects the way that we perceive the world around us. And it affects the way that we interact with the world around us. It's, it's foundational to everything that we do and everything that we are. And so in order for any relationship to move beyond the surface and really get to that place where there's an exchange of life, it requires closeness, right? It requires intimacy. You know, this is true in any relationship. We were created for relationship. We are sons and daughters of a mighty and powerful God. And in scripture, we read that we were created out of love. And I would suggest that we were created in a very intimate way. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it tells us that God formed Adam from the dust. He, he formed Adam from the dust. He fashioned him. And then he did something really important. He breathed his breath into him. He breathed his life into him. And it's very interesting to me because in Genesis 1, we read that everything that was created was spoken into existence, right? Everything, the sun, the moon, the stars, the birds of the sky, the beasts of the fields. And even God even said, let us create man in our image. But creating man was a much more intimate experience. Because not only was life spoken over Adam, but life was breathed into Adam. And so God fashions man from the dust of the ground. And scripture calls us his handiwork. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He fashioned us, he formed us, and then he breathed his life into us. The breath of his spirit, the ruach of God, the wind of his spirit. And from the very beginning, God is setting the standard for which we are to relate to him. And it's a very intimate connection. It's not from a distance. It's not a casual thing, but it's an up close and personal exchange of life where he speaks life over us, but then he also breathes his life into us. In him we live and we move and we have our being. It's who we are. It's who we've been designed to be. That we are a people of God that know God, that trust God and the goodness of who he is. And when sin entered the world, when, when Adam and Eve representing mankind sinned against God, there was a separation, right? There was a consequence for sin. And because of sin, there's a, a separation, there's a confusion. It's easy to be distracted and, and not be able to clearly see who we are as sons and daughters. The truth is we are the righteousness of Christ. We are new creations. We are above and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. We are sons and daughters of a mighty God. 
And that is the truth. That is who we are. But we have an enemy. We've, we've talked about, Bob has been going into detail about spiritual warfare. We have an enemy that comes to kill, to steal, to, to destroy. And that same enemy distorts the truth of who we are. We lose sight of who God has created us to be. And often there's a, there's a deception, there's a distortion in our hearts that the enemy brings to bring confusion, to bring doubt, to distort the truth of who we are. You hear the voice of the enemy saying, you're not worthy. You're never going to measure up. You know, there's the righteousness of Christ. You're the righteousness of Christ, but that you, it's really like a y'all and it's all y'all. And, you know, you're just kind of one of the numbers. You know, you just kind of get in because of everybody else. But you know yourself. Everybody else is worthy. Everybody else is valuable. But you're just, you're not quite there. If, if people really knew who you were, then it's game over. Do you ever hear those words playing in your head? You're not really created in the image of God. You're really not that valuable. I know God sent his son, you know, because he loved us and he sent his son. But, you know, that was for everybody else. You know, yeah, look, look how special they are. Look how good looking they are. They're so talented. They're, they're, they're certainly worth it. But, you know, you, you know you. And we hear the voice of the enemy telling us that we have to, in order to find fulfillment, we have to search for it. It certainly can't be found in relationship. It certainly cannot be found in a connection with God. It's something you got to search for. You got to struggle for. You got to prove your worth, prove your value. It's somewhere out there, but you got to go looking for it. Again, does that sound familiar? Do, am I the only one that hears those thoughts in my head? The lies of the enemy. And the voice of the enemy, it can be loud. The voice of the enemy, the noise of his lies can overwhelm us. But through it all, God is consistent in his invitation for us to come close. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is consistent in his invitation for us to remember who we are. To see beyond the noise and the distraction and the distortion of the enemy and remember who we are, that we were fashioned, that we were formed by him, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he breathed his life into us. He is consistent in his invitation for us to come close to him, to simply return to the pleasure that can only be found in him as we rest in the nature of who he is. He is consistent in his invitation for us to know him, to return to him. Zechariah 1.3 says, return to me and I will return to you. What a simple but powerful, beautiful promise. Just, just return. Just come home. Return to me and I will return to you. When we've wandered when we've turned our back, when we've, when we've chased after other loves. There's not a process where you have to prove your worth. You have to prove again your value, but it's, it's simply return, come home. You know, God is not a God that forces intimacy on us, but he is a God that is actively pursuing us. He's a God that is actively waiting on us. You know, I remember being a, a kid and you get in trouble. You come home, you've done something wrong and my dad, and he's a great dad, but I remember the words, just go to your room and I'll, I'll be with you when I'm ready. <laughs> you ever experienced something kind of like that? Sometimes we think that's the picture of God. 
that when we're away from him, that we're not on his mind. But he actively pursues us. He actively waits for us. He's the good shepherd. We sing the songs about him leaving the 99 to find the one. Because he sees the value. He sees the worth. He sees the beautiful. In the story of the prodigal son, we get a picture of the father's heart. When we take our inheritance and we try to find fulfillment in a place outside of the father's house. And we go looking and searching for fulfillment in places that will never be found. And the father's just saying, just come home. And in that story, while the son was still a long way off, the father recognizes and he sees him because he's looking. And there's an active waiting, an anticipation of, of that homecoming, of that reunion, of us returning and coming home. Because he wants to celebrate us. There's an invitation that's always there to come close, to come home, to enjoy the benefits of the Father's house, to enjoy the benefits of the Father's love. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. This is going to be one of the main verses that we look at this morning. But I want to read a few more verses in that passage, but I want to look at it in the message translation because it communicates it just a little bit easier. And so Isaiah 55, we're going to start in verse 1. This is the message translation. It says, Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come anyway, buy and eat. Come, buy your drinks, buy wine and milk, buy without money, everything's free. Why do you spend your money on junk food? Why do you spend your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me, listen well, eat only the best, fill yourself with only the finest. And in that verse, verse 3, it says, pay attention. Come close now, listen carefully to my life-giving Life nourishing words. I will make a lasting covenant commitment with you, the same I made with David, a solid, a sure, a solid, enduring love. You know, give ear, come to me, listen that you may live. You know, each one of us was created, there's a space inside of each one of us that can only be filled through an intimate connection with the Father. As I said, we were fashioned by God. The breath that we breathe comes because he breathed his life into us. We were created for intimacy. Intimacy requires vulnerability. It requires trust. And Jack Frost, he was a a, a man who just spoke powerfully on the father's love and the father's embrace. And he always said that intimacy is into me, you see. Into me, you see. Intimacy, it requires vulnerability. It requires us to open ourselves to allow God to see all of us, access to all of us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the things that we'd want to celebrate, the things we want everyone to know, and also the things that we would want to keep secret that we would be ashamed of. It requires access to all of us. And that's the invitation of intimacy. That's the invitation to come close, to open ourselves up, to listen to come close, that, that we may live, that we may have his life. But we often, we spend so much time trying to find fulfillment in things that will never satisfy. We spend so much effort, so much energy 
trying to fill the need, trying to fill the void with things that will never satisfy. And the scripture is saying you're spending all your hard earned cash on cotton candy and junk food. It's not going to nourish you. It's not going to do for you the things that you desire in your heart. And in the same way, we spend all this time and energy, all of this effort trying to find things that it's going to satisfy what only God can satisfy. And he's saying, just come close to me. There's an invitation just to come close, an invitation to intimacy. That we can be nurtured, that we can be nourished, that we can have life. And by the way, it's free. It's free and it will sustain you. It's the invitation to stop running, to stop avoiding and just to come close. James chapter 4 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That's a, a very real thing, isn't it? Battles, desires that battle within us. You know, what we fight about, what we argue about, a lot of the, the conflict in our life, it, it's really not an external thing, but it's an internal thing. It's, it's the, the conflict in our soul that's not satisfied, that we long to be fulfilled. And, and when we're trying to find that fulfillment in other things and it's not satisfied, then we put a, a pressure on others to fill that void. And when it doesn't happen, we, there's, there's the, we get angry. We battle. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you do not get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? He jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. We look for fulfillment in so many things that will never satisfy. And scripture, I think it's in Proverbs, says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When, when there's a longing, when there's a desire, when there's a need for fulfillment, and we keep reaching out to things that won't satisfy, before long we have a sick heart. And we relate to God and we relate to the world with, with a sick heart. We see things through the lens of a, of a sick heart, through a, a hopeless situation. And God is saying, just come to me. He's jealous for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us. He wants us to remember the very beginning when he formed us, when he fashioned us, and he breathed his spirit into us. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. The scripture says that I'm making a lasting covenant commitment with you. The same that I made with David. A sure, solid, enduring love. I think it's important that we understand what that promise is. And I just want to take a minute to read out of Second Samuel. This is the promise. This is the word that, that God is speaking over David. 
what we're reading here is, is a prophetic word that God has actually given to, I believe it was, I believe it was Nathan for him to give to David. And so this is the word of the Lord given to the prophet to give to David. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaderships over my people is leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house in my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. What an amazing promise. His love for us, it endures forever. And something very unique about this promise, it's, it goes beyond him. It goes beyond you. It's just not about you, but it's a generational promise. It affects your life, but it affects the generations to come. Here's a promise for us. Everything that we need, everything that we desire is found in that place of intimacy, is found in that place of relationship with God. But I have a question for you. Let's just say that I have in my possession the world's most rare, most valuable diamond. It's priceless. And I've decided that I want to give it to you. And so I take this diamond and I put it in a box and I wrap it up because I want to give it to you and I want it to be special. I want it to be perfect. So I take great care in, in wrapping it and making it look presentable and beautiful. Now I get really excited when I give, good, when I give good gifts and a lot of times I get so excited that I'll tell you what I'm going to give you before I actually give it to you. I've been known to do that once or twice. And so I, I've taken great care. I put this diamond in a box. It has great value. I've wrapped it. I presented it. It looks amazing. It's beautiful. And I hand it to you. But before I can give it to you, I tell you, this is a diamond. It's the most valuable and rare diamond in the world here. And now you're pretty excited because you know what it is. And so you're excited about this diamond. And you take it to your house. And you open up the closet door. And you stick it on a shelf. And you shut the door. And so there's a couple of questions. Once I gave you the diamond, is it yours? Yes. That, yes. Yes. It was a gift. It was freely given. It belongs to you. Now, this is slightly a trick question. When does the diamond actually become valuable? When you sell it? There you go. It was always valuable. 
The diamond always had value. It doesn't become more or less valuable. It, it, it always had value. Probably a better question to ask is, when does the diamond become valuable to you? When does the value of the diamond actually impact your life? Yeah. It becomes valuable when you access it. When you connect with it. And the love of God is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. When everything else fades, love will remain. When everything else is gone, when everything else wipes away, the three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of all of them is love. It's the most powerful force in the universe. And it's a gift that has been given freely. And there's a choice that we have to make. Do we take the gift? Do we go to our favorite spot? And do we put it there for safekeeping? Or do we actually access the gift? Do we actually allow the value of his love to impact our life? Whether we do or not does not diminish the value of his love. It endures forever. It's everlasting. But there is a choice to embrace, to return, to come close, to be in that place of intimate relationship with him. Where he's leading, where he's guiding, where he's directing, where he's bringing correction, where he's, he's just leading us from, from that place of transformation from glory to glory. And we can access that or we can put it away. And a lot of what I'm speaking, if, if you've been in church for a little bit, it's probably not new. But there's so much stuff, there's so much information that we have locked up in our brains. We have locked up in our minds. And I think the measure of, of where we're at with God is not who we are in here. But it's who we are in those moments, whatever it is for you, when, when no one's aware you know, the, the behind the door, behind the scene moments. You know, God is, um, I just really sense there's, a, there's an invitation this morning just to return. It doesn't mean that we've, maybe we've fallen off in, in, in great sin. But maybe, you know, Jody was talking a few weeks ago about how just the little, the little bit of yeast affects the whole loaf. And sometimes there's just, just that, that little bit of doubt, that little bit of unbelief. But there's just an invitation, I, I think, this morning just to, whatever the case may be, just to, to return, to allow God access to all of us. As I said, the good, the bad, the ugly, the deepest parts of our heart. So I just want to pray for us. Just give us an opportunity to respond. Father, we look to you. We look to you. And Father, this morning we come to you and we bring to you the, even the, those desires that battle within us, the conflict within our soul. The unsettled issues that, that trigger the, the things that push people away that, that affect us and father in the areas that we've been looking for fulfillment 
all over the place to ease our to ease our soul to ease our our mind to find rest to find peace father we even in this moment we come to you we come and we return and we just run into the open arms of love Father, we just say that you are more than enough. That you are everything. Why don't you just turn that music up just a bit? That's good. And Father, even now, I just ask that you would just pour out your spirit, that you would that you would come, Holy Spirit, that you would just that you would speak to our hearts. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, please visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. 